So let's talk impeachment today. I'll give you my thoughts on that. And also, what is the opportunity presented to Christians to know about ourselves by watching the impeachment hearing and in the context of the nonpartisan evangelical. We'll talk about that on the podcast today and also defining some core values of what it means to be the nonpartisan evangelical for me. Share that all with you on today's edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast, WTH edition, The Week That Happened. Ah, yes, the nonpartisan evangelical WTH version. Been away for uh, a little over a week with the holidays here, but uh, coming up uh, with uh, another edition, and we have some really cool podcasts coming up. I got some good guests and some other things I'm going to be telling you about along the way. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm looking up a Bible verse even as we, as I'm coming onto the podcast here. Um, because just the impeachment hearings and then Thanksgiving and, and just thinking about things over the weekend, some comments I got on my Facebook page just has me thinking about a lot of uh, different things as we look to head into the new year and election year and what it's going to look like in our culture. And I, I think here's the opportunity of what the impeachment hearings provide to us. And then I'll talk a little bit about my my thoughts because I like to give you update of things that I view and what's going on in the news. But something for people of faith, for really everybody, the impeachment hearings are a great opportunity to determine if you are in a partisan spirit and you're picking a side and nothing else matters than the side you're on, or if you really want to find out some information, even in the midst of if both parties are playing partisan politics and it do you just absolutely shut down to everything you hear in the middle of it? Well, it's a it's a bad process, so therefore, no information that comes out is going to mean anything to me. And when I see men like Franklin Graham, and I know what he said about, about Bill Clinton during the impeachment hearings in the 90s, and then to just totally slough it off the partisanship in this season just tells me where where we are in a in a in a large way and i would just want to challenge you um I, I just i just had a comment i'll go right to this i had a comment on the on the nonpartisan evangelical facebook page this week from someone you know sort of i, I get this quite a bit well why aren't you hard on both sides if you're nonpartisan why aren't you hard on both sides and my thing is I live on my side, and, and I talk about my side, and I see from the church that I grew up in, the evangelical church, there's this unbelievably slanted view to the right-wing side of politics that I think is getting in the way of our ability to be active contributors to culture. We're, we're Rather, we're, we're battlers in culture. We're trying to win political wars, and I think it's exactly what Jesus spoke against in the Gospels. And that's what being a nonpartisan evangelical means for me. Yes, I think there are some things on the Democratic side that that uh, we have to work on. And uh, like, I'll, I'll just to help you guys out, what uh, this uh, reports coming out about Mike Bloomberg, who wants to run for president and telling 
Bloomberg media to not cover him harshly um, is really disappointing to me because I actually do have enjoyed reading Bloomberg News and in, and have read a lot of things that rated them as sort of middle-of-the-road news media outlet. Um, and to hear that it may be that inside the walls they've been told, now you're, you're going to not cover anything harshly that uh, the owner does uh, is very disappointing. And that makes makes it uh, hard to trust them quite as much. Uh, of course, Fox News has been doing that for years and, and everybody loves that one. So um, this is kind of where we are. So you have to really be open to hearing and use discernment and then start to dig around and find some things. And so I found this, this great uh, Bible verse that I love um, and uh, I'll give it, it's Proverbs 25, 2. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. So in, in other words, and in contemporary English uh, in the CEV, it says God is praised for being mysterious. Rulers are praised for explaining mysteries. So I, I think the thing is what we're supposed to do here is, is we're to be open to hear information from people and, and be able to start to discern it through ourselves. And so I, I, it's it's part of why I really hate conspiracy theory sites because I, I just feel like people get trapped in them and then nothing other than what they're told by, by their conspiracy theory website uh, can ever change their ideas. I had a, a very good friend once uh, start telling me all about how by the end of 2018, the Clintons would be in, in Guantanamo in prison, the Clintons and the Obamas, and and promised me that uh, you know if that didn't come about that some very drastic things were going to happen um, in in that person's life and those things never happened and neither did the other drastic things so I think we get really trapped by conspiracy theory websites and it makes it hard for us to really discern what we're hearing one of the things that was and I'm going to be doing some review here because I haven't done a WTH podcast for a while but but one of the things that was interesting to me is the the difference in listening to the Democrats and the Republicans on uh, the committee investigating uh, the impeachment hearings last week as we get going into new impeachment hearings this week. And we'll give you a couple of interesting notes on that coming up. But just just hear the difference in sort of the sound of, of what people are saying. Um, so first, let me, uh, so I'll go to the two ranking members on the Intelligence Committee that was doing the investigation last week. And first, uh, Adam Schiff, who is a, a Democratic congressman from California. Let's listen to him. Let's see if I can get they it. They didn't question your testimony when you said, um, and I think you, you asked, Ambassador Sondland, does Donald Trump give up blank, and I would like to use the word here, about Ukraine. And he said, he doesn't give a blank about Ukraine. He only cares about the big stuff. And you said, well, there's some big stuff here. Ukraine's at war with Russia. That's kind of big stuff. And his answer was, no, 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 no. He cares about the big stuff that matters to him, his personal interests, like the Biden investigation that Giuliani wants. I mean, one question posed by your testimony, Mr. Holmes, is what do we care about? Do we care about the big stuff, like the Constitution, 
like an oath of office, or do we only care now about party? What do we care about? So that's Adam Schiff, and uh, he's definitely doing his thing from the Democratic perspective. Um, but in some ways, so I listen to that, and what I hear is, okay, he, he's definitely coming from his perspective, but he still is putting it in the context of what do we care about um, when we hear testimony that says the president didn't really care about the Ukraine. And this is coming from Gordon Sondland, who is uh, a President Trump appointee, who is the ambassador to the EU. And he's saying the president doesn't care about Ukraine. What he wants is he wants to get the dirt on his political enemy. Um, does that mean anything to us as American citizens? And so that was Adam Schiff. Then we go to the ranking Republican on the committee, Devin Nunes, who happens to be the congressional representative of the district where I live. If you're listening from outside our area, this is uh, this is the guy that represents my uh, district. And this is what Congressman uh, Devin Nunes had to say at the hearing. The media, of course, are free to act as Democrat puppets. And they're free to lurch from the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax at the direction of their puppet masters. Let me stop that for one second and let you know that I took this sound from Congressman Nunes Twitter feed. And so the music is not I did not put the music on there. His whoever operates his Twitter feed uh, played this clip with the music on there. Americans have learned to recognize fake news when they see it. And if the mainstream press won't give it to them straight, They'll go elsewhere to find it. For those of you at home, it's time to change the channel, turn down the volume, or hide the kids, put them to bed. Now I yield to Mr. Schiff for story time hour. I thank the gentleman, as always, for his uh, remarks. Um... (laughs) So, for me... Even so, if you completely disagree with a process, um, I still think I have some ideal of what decorum looks like. Um, I have an ideal of if if something tragically wrong and horrible is happening. If you really believe that, which I, I'm going to assume Congressman Nunes does, I, I still would never myself approach it with that flippancy, with that sort of silliness um, and just, I don't know. It's it's a little bit of like, why are we sounding that way? And, and that's, to me, that was the tone of the whole thing is everything for the Republicans was not going after the content of what was being shared by those testifying. At no point did it seem like they ever were willing to say what you're saying is wrong. They would just question the character of the people, the media, um, the Democrats. And if what is being testified to is not true, why don't you go after that instead of sort of that flippancy? Let me let me play just one other thing here from Congressman Nunes, if I can. Let me see if I can make that work. If you watched the impeachment hearings last week, you may have noticed a disconnect between what you actually saw and the mainstream media accounts describing it. On a nearly daily basis, the top news outlets in America reported breathlessly on the newest bombshell revelations showing that President Trump and everyone surrounding him were Russian agents. 
There was no objectivity or fairness in the media's Russia stories, just as a fevered rush to tarnish and remove a president who refuses to pretend that the media are something different from what they really are, puppets of the Democratic Party. After trying out several different accusations against President Trump, the Democrats have recently settled on bribery. According to widespread reports, they replaced their quid pro quo allegation because it wasn't polling well. But if the Democrats and the media are suddenly so deeply concerned about bribery, you would think they would take some interest in Burisma paying Hunter Biden $83,000 a month. And you think they would be interested in Joe Biden threatening to withhold U.S. loan guarantees unless the Ukrainians fired a prosecutor who was investigating Burisma. That would be a textbook example of bribery. The media, of course, are free to act as Democrat puppets, and they're free to lurch from the Russia hoax to the Ukraine hoax at the direction of their puppet masters. Americans have learned to recognize... So there we go. And so now we're getting in stuff that I had already hit on there. But so let me, again, just note the difference in tone. And I know a lot of people now are like, oh, who cares if they say some mean things? They're fighting. You know, To me... I would like to see at least let's deal with some content of what's happening. And the Republicans need to remember they're the ones that impeached a president uh, for uh, for lying under oath about having sex with an intern. They impeached a president for that. And, and that is, I believe, in some ways coming back to roost in today's season. And if and if we can just face those things honestly, I think we can we can get somewhere in this. But one thing I, I want you to understand from my perspective, uh, when they talk about uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and his job in the Ukraine, um, here's the way I look at it. For one, when what he's talking about is when Joe Biden was asking the Ukraine to, to force this guy to step down, what he was doing was talking about American policy at the time. That was what everyone agreed needed to happen. And he was the representative of the administration asking Ukraine to follow that. Now, Hunter Biden was hired by a, a, an oil company uh, to be on the board and got paid a ridiculous amount of money to do that. Was that a violation of law or was that a foreign business trying to buy uh, influence? And here's what I would say. Absolutely, it was a foreign business trying to buy influence. There is no question about it. And from my perspective, really bad optics, really stupid for the Biden family not to say, we can't do this because this is going to look bad and potentially give people an opportunity to to even try to curry some influence with the vice president of the United States. So I, I think they should have said no to it. Absolutely. I think it was really dumb, really dumb. I, I guess if I'm Hunter Biden, it's a lot of money and and maybe I maybe I want that. But um, from a Biden perspective, I would say really a bad idea to let that happen. Now, was it criminal? The answer to that is no, because he, you know, Joe Biden was asking uh, the Ukraine to force a guy out of his job because of corruption, and that was the entire stance of the the United States government at the time. So, so a a, a representative of our government reflecting what our government wants to have happen is their job. So the now contrast that with 
President Trump saying to the Ukraine, I'm going to withhold aid until you open this investigation. And as we'll hear uh, later, I think I have a clip, um, they're saying that President Trump didn't care about the investigation as much as he just wanted the public announcement of the investigation. He wanted it to be publicly announced. That's what really mattered. So now what you have happened, so this aid that was promised to the Ukraine, uh, if you don't understand, the Ukraine is is a former Soviet state uh, that became independent when the Soviet Union fell. Uh, now, uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, has invaded a couple of areas in the Ukraine, the Crimea and another one called Don, I think it's Donbass, I hope I say that correctly. And, and, and Ukraine and Russia are at war. This is, this is a, a, an enemy of ours, Russia, invading a neighboring country because it has a lot of resources and, and that Russia needs to be viable as a nation. And so we have the, the only country since World War II that's actually gone to war to take land from another country uh, merely for that purpose of taking land. And this is a major enemy of ours that attacked us in the 2016 election. And... All of Congress, Republicans, Democrats, all of the national security agents of our government all have said uh, the Ukraine is important. This money has passed muster. Everybody's done their investigations. And so Democrats and Republicans in Congress have approved this aid. It is ready to go to the Ukraine. In fact, it has to go before a certain date or it will expire and it won't be able to be sent. And here's the president of the United States after all of that holding that aid up for what Republicans said in a report that just came out today. They said because he was legitimately concerned about corruption in the Ukraine. Now, when President Trump is doing this, as opposed to what Joe Biden did when he was vice president, President Trump is not reflecting the entire uh, stance of the U.S. government toward the Ukraine. This is his personal choice that he's making. And as we heard throughout the impeachment, people are saying they were scratching their heads like, why is this aid being held up? And what we hear later is you know, because he really wanted this public announcement of investigation into corruption with Joe Biden. And so some would surmise that was because he wanted that to help him, did the president in his 2020 election. So there's the difference when the Republicans start saying, well, Joe Biden did the same thing. It's not the same thing. One was representing the stance of the U.S. government. One was a president doing something completely different than all the rest of the U.S. government was saying about Ukraine. And now we've had reports come out this week that now have verified that President Trump uh, then released the money once he had been briefed, or at least I shouldn't say that that way, after he had been briefed that there was a whistleblower uh, talking to uh, the national security agents, national intelligence agencies about the fact that this money was being held up and, and somebody felt that that was an inappropriate behavior of the president. So the president knew there was a whistleblower before he re finally released the money to the Ukraine, which is important because uh, another argument is like, well, how can there be quid pro quo when he released the money without the investigation? Well, he released the money, some might think, because he's like, uh-oh, this is going to come to light. I better release the money so that I can say I didn't hold it up.
So again, what I'm saying is you can you can have your belief as a Republican, you can have your belief as a Democrat, but listen to what people are saying and start to think about it and let discernment, let, let be a king that starts to search things out with real information and not from just your favorite conspiracy website, but starting to, to listen to what people are saying and, and using their ideas. So one of the things Devin Nunes there was talking about was the Russia hoax. And that's something we hear a lot from the president and from Republicans. And so Fiona Hill was brought in to, to testify. Fiona Hill um, is a, uh, a former official for the U.S. National Security Council who specializes in Russian and European affairs. She's a, a born a Brit but became an American citizen. And she had this to say about the Russia hoax. And I'm using my air quotes here. This is what Fiona Hill said about the Russia hoax. Some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country and that perhaps somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Is it your understanding then that President Trump disregarded the advice of his senior officials about this theory and instead listened to Rudy Giuliani's views? That appears to be the case, yes. That was Fiona Hill. Now, she's a pretty amazing story. She talked about in her testimony how she came from England where uh, her, her family were coal miners and had a, lived in a particular area where they had uh, a, a, a dialect, an accent, if you will, that people would immediately assume them to be sort of lower class citizens. And she came to America where anybody could could break through that class thing. She was saying in England, once you get put in a, in a class system, you cannot be upwardly mobile in that class system. And she believes America is an ideal place where you can. And that's why she felt it was important to be able to testify and, and defend sort of the ideal of the United States. And it was a pretty compelling thing she talked about. And here she, Fiona Hill talked about her boss was John Bolton. You may know John Bolton, a former ambassador to the UN under George Bush. Uh, a Fox News contributor for, for many years, and also then was the national security advisor under President Trump, resigned as all of this scandal was coming to light. And some people think that might be related. He's got a book coming out. And this was Fiona Hill talking about uh, her discussions with John Bolton, her boss, and, and in regards to Gordon Sundland, who is, was the UN ambassador to the European Union. Here's Fiona Hill. I'd asked if there was anything that we could do about it. And Ambassador Bolton had looked pained, um, basically uh, indicated with body language that there was nothing which we could do about it. And he then, in the course of that discussion, said that Rudy Giuliani was a hand grenade that was going to blow everyone up. Did you understand what he meant by that? Well, I think he, he meant that, obviously, what Mr Giuliani was saying was pretty explosive in any case, and that he was clearly pushing forward issues and ideas that would, uh, you know, probably come back to haunt us. And in fact, I think that that's where we are today. But it struck me when yesterday, when you put up on the screen Ambassador Sondland's emails and who was on these emails, and he said, these are the people who need to know that he was absolutely right because he was being involved in a domestic political errand. So he was correct. And I had not put my finger on the, at that at the moment, but I was irritated with him and angry with him that he wasn't fully coordinating. And I did say to him, Ambassador Sondland, Gordon, I think this is all going to blow up. And here we are. Ambassador Sondland leaned in uh, basically to say, 
Well, we have an agreement uh, that there will be a meeting um, if specific um, investigations uh, are, are put underway. And that's when I saw Ambassador Bolton stiffen. I was sitting behind him in the chair and I saw him sit back uh, slightly like this. And then he looked up to the clock and basically said, well, um, you know, it's been really great to see you. I'm afraid I've got another, um, another meeting. He had some very specific instruction for me. I had to go to the lawyers, to John Eisenberg, uh, our senior counsel for the National Security Council, uh, to basically say, you tell Eisenberg, Ambassador Bolton told me, that I am not part of uh, this whatever drug deal that Mulvaney and Sondland are cooking up. Wow. Well, that's, that's pretty crazy stuff. Um, and so anyway, and one of the things that, that came out in Gordon Sundland's testimony, and Sundland, by the way, was a big donor to the Trump campaign. Now, there are others who say he was a very wealthy businessman. He would have contributed uh, largely to anybody who won the presidency. Um, and that may be true. He's a very wealthy man, uh, but he contributed big time to the uh, inauguration uh, celebration of President Trump. And... So Sunland was the one that came out and at the start of his testimony said, was there a quid pro quo? Yes, there was. But then he also went on to say that President Trump told him and, and President Trump made a big point of this last week to say that Trump called him and said, I want nothing. I want nothing from from the Ukraine. But so here's to me when I hear that. Um, to me, that's that that's like a, a mob boss who believes that the person on the other end is wired. And so they're saying, I did not kill that man. I swear I did not kill that man. You know, it's almost the he doth protest too much thing where, again, President Trump knew there was a whistleblower out there, knew this stuff was getting ready to come to light. And so it sounds a little bit like maybe he was covering his tracks a little bit. And so my question to you is you can be totally against impeachment because you believe it's a Democratic uh, uh, witch hunt, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, and I'm fine with that. We, we can believe that. And, and yes, I think there is definitely some partisanship involved in this on both sides, just as there was in the Republican impeachment of Bill Clinton back in the 90s, which was very partisan, um, even though what the president did made me very, very angry in those days as well. But if, if you can't look and hear what people are saying here and think, wow, the president did something not very good, then start to check your heart. What, what has got you to the place that you can never believe anything negative about the president of the United States? I hear it from people all the time. Oh, I wish he wouldn't tweet, but he's the greatest president in the history of mankind. And, uh, and, and a lot of, I hear a lot of different things. If, if you can't hear what Fiona Hill is saying, what Gordon Sondland said, what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vidman said last week, and, and say, wow, our, <laughs> our president was involved in something here. And when you hear Congressman Nunes say Russia hoax, and, and then a Russian expert from the National Security Council say, it's not a hoax at all. It was an attack from an enemy on us. And if we're, and if we're in partisanship trying to defend that and we're not willing to go, we're going to get attacked again. And they're attacking the very thing that makes us special, our democracy and our unity as a country. And we cannot let that happen. And if you can't hear that, and at least... It's the base that the, the President Trump said, if I go out and shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, my, my ratings are going to go up. If that's our stance, that 
no matter what, will never say, hey, Mr. President, you need to change, then, then that's a man, and I believe a man that, that maybe has some fluid morals to begin with, even though I don't, I don't question his Christianity, but I think there are times the morals are a little bit fluid, or at least his, his core beliefs are a little fluid, and he has no accountability to people around him, no accountability to the people who vote, then I think that puts the president in a really scary position of being completely on his own mores and with nothing to, to constrain him. And I don't think any man, any man can survive that. Something for you to think about. As I believe the, this, this partisanship in the church has injured people and injured our ability to, to serve the gospel. And it's coming out of this need to win political battles and have political favor. And we believe that God's purpose is, number one, to overturn the Supreme Court. Number two, to, for us to be able to say Merry Christmas again. Number three, for America to be great again. And I'm not sure any of those are God's top priority in the season. I, I think the kingdom advancing is really what's important to him. And, and I think this is a good opportunity for a heart check for us. So that would be my encouragement around the impeachment. I'm going to talk a little bit about our core values. But first, let me put some music on here. Maybe I think I can get this on a bit. And I want to tell you about uh, some things coming up. We're going to be having some living room meetings. If you want to be an NPE ambassador, if you think the message of this is important, um, Ashley and I are going to be visiting some homes and having uh, some visitation with people that can get 15, 20 people in their home and just kind of share the message of the nonpartisan evangelical, go through some discussion of my book, Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. And so I would love you to join us on that. So go to my website, npepodcast.com, npepodcast.com, and click on a, a couple of things you can do. Uh, you can uh, go to the uh, contact us page and email and say, hey, I would like to be an MP ambassador. I'd be glad to host something like this in my house. That would be awesome. And uh, if you don't feel like that's something you can do, you can hit the partner with us button on the website and uh, it'll give you an opportunity to be a part of our Patreon page and our NP Patreon community and uh, just help uh, support and help us get this message out. So I would love to have you do that. So go to the website, npepodcast.com, and check us out. All right? Thanks a lot. All right, that was the music part of it. I don't know if that music was great or not on there, but uh, I'm still figuring this out a little bit as I go along. New blog on, uh, I have one blog that's going to be coming up soon, and that is when can we tell people they're wrong? I think that's going to be an interesting one because we're living in a time where everybody's saying, oh, you know, why are you why are you being critical? Uh, and and I'm being critical because I think there are, there's something wrong in the church. I think there's something our, our leaders are missing uh, because we've been in this partnership with politics and trying to win political battles for 50 years, and it's got us in a place where we're missing maybe the, the full will of, of what God wants to see happen in our culture in the season. And so that's coming up. And I also recently released one called The Core Values of the Nonpartisan Evangelical. And love for you to go check it out. But I want to review a couple of things on there because I have so many questions from people like, why aren't you, why aren't you getting both sides of the thing? And, and, and to me, I'm trying to change a part of culture that I have some influence in. And I have influence in the, the sort of right-wing white evangelical church 
because I, I suffered for it and served it. I started a church and led it for 10 years. And so I feel like that gives me some value. I grew up in that church. I've, I've lived in it. And I had to go through a transformation to start to see like, hey, maybe the way I've always been raised isn't exactly where God is in this season. And so I think I have some gravitas and ability to, to be able to speak into that part of the church. I, I, I'm not here to... to rip on Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. I, there, there are other parts of the church that are, are, are working on that side of the ledger. I'm here to say, hey, this right-wing partisanship of the church is injuring the ability of the church to advance the kingdom in the season, to follow where God is, to really hear his will in the season. I think we're a little blind and, and our ears have been closed a little bit. The Isaiah 9, or excuse me, Isaiah 6 curse that they won't have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that's what I'm speaking into. So I, I wanted to review a little bit and talking about my core values um, as the nonpartisan evangelical. The first is, is this is a Christian endeavor. I, I really believe there was a person known as Jesus called Christ by the people around him, and he was God made flesh. He was a true representation of God come to earth. And in that representation of a Christian faith, though, uh, I, I, my faith, and this is what I wrote, that faith is not exclusive of relationships with others who profess their faith in different ways. I have some Bible verses to go with it there. Uh, I'm saying, basically, I'm a Christian, but I'm not in, in this divisive mindset that has become such a big part of where Christianity is. And so then I go into challenging mindsets. Um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking fast because I'm trying to keep this short. Um, so I want to hit a couple of other points, and then you can go read this on my website at npepodcast.com. The, the first thing about challenging mindsets in our culture today is this statement, God is not mad at you. I have a, a nonpartisan evangelical wristband I wear that says God is not, capital N-O-T, mad at you. He's not a cosmic Santa Claus with an ever-changing naughty or nice list based upon our behavior. The evangelical church has become focused on behavior. Banning things is really important to us. Stopping people from doing things that are wrong. Legislating biblical morality is a big deal for us, just like it was for the Pharisees in the first century century. And I think God is saying, that's not the way I want to see things rectify and brought in alignment with me. In fact, I think if the church would stop fighting political battles, we could actually make a move on that. So that's a really important thing for me. I want everybody to ultimately in the nonpartisan evangelical, the, the people that I, I have around uh, these podcasts and things who haven't been able to go to church for years because they feel like if they don't fit into the right-wing evangelical mindset, if they're not following conspiracy theory websites, that they're they're not safe in the church. I want those people to know God wants to connect with you relationally. I believe there is a God in heaven, and that God wants to have a personal relationship with us. And that is what changed my life from being what I used to be to the a little bit better person I am today, although I still have some ways to go. So uh, God's not mad at you. Um, I think I, I learned that in the Bible, and the Christian Bible is the best representation of what we have to know about God, in my estimation. And and then I have this one. That Bible wasn't written by Americans specifically for Americans. Um, and if we read the Bible from an American mindset, which is linear, you know, A equals B, A plus B equals C, 
But the way uh, Hebrew writers wrote in the first century that originally wrote the Bible, that wasn't the way they did argument. That wasn't the way they did discussion. So you can take one verse and say, this is what that means in the Bible and miss the whole context and certainly miss the whole character of God. So that's an important core value of the nonpartisan evangelical um, and this is one other I'll read, and then I'll let you read the rest of it. Religious partisanship is a mindset prevalent in the evangelical church that presses against God's true character. This mindset is a belief that the legislative enforcement of biblical law can bring God's blessing onto a city, state, or country. And this mindset is similar to the mindset of the first century religious leaders of the Bible, and Jesus commanded his followers to avoid the leaven of this mindset. And I have the Bible verses there. I think religion is a man-made effort to get good enough so God will give us favor. And for 50 years, the church has been engaged in man-made efforts through politics to change things. I don't think people should avoid being in politics. I think they need to avoid being partisan in their politics and, and bringing their religion in it. And so what that looks like is, okay, I'm going to pass laws that force people to behave in biblical behavior as I've interpreted in my American interpretations of the Bible to be biblical behavior. And if we can pass enough laws to force people to behave rightly, then America will be great again. And when that's our mindset, that's when we start to become a divisive, exclusive influence in culture rather than people of God who are bringing people into relationship with this amazing God that's not mad at us. And that, I think, is a great story. Why would we give that away for trying to ban a bunch of things to force people to behave the way we've interpreted Scripture and make them live. At the end of the day, Jesus said there are two commands, two commandments, only two. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And our neighbor is then defined as the poor, outcast, the marginalized, the foreigners, the people that we don't believe deserve his favor. And the way we relate to those people is to display the fruit of God's spirit in us. So let me challenge you. And the thing is, if you're listening to any of this and you're becoming very defensive and perturbed, let's talk. Send me a message and let's talk about it. Because if that makes you feel defensive, then start to think maybe maybe there's a button getting pushed there that I need to think about. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm bringing some baggage from an old way that God taught me a long time ago that isn't God's best for me in this season. Can I challenge that just a little bit? Think about it. And remember, it is... The glory of God to hide a thing and the glory of kings to search it out. You are a very valuable entity in the universe. You are a human being created to be exactly what you are today. And that makes you really special. And your job now is to really search what the heart of God is for a season. Not passing laws, but bringing people into relationship so that they can be on their journey just like you and I have been on ours. We're all on a journey. We're all learning. We're all growing together. And God said, and Jesus said, love God and love that person that you think doesn't deserve your love. And that's when you'll prove that you're really walking in relationship with the creator of the universe. All right, that's it for me from here for the WTH edition of the week. 
there's a whole lot more I could go into and I feel like I'm missing some. I may do another WTH this week uh, focused on some other things, not from impeachment. Uh, we have some great guests coming up on future uh, nonpartisan evangelical podcasts. So be watching our website, npepodcast.com to figure out when that's coming. Get on our insiders list. Go to the website, npepodcast.com. Get on our insiders list and I'll send you a free copy of my ebook which is called The Making of Joseph. It's a, it's a book that explains why I made the wrote the novel Joseph Comes to Town and how I got it done, and you will really enjoy that. It also includes three free chapters from my book, and you can determine if you may want to buy a copy of Joseph Comes to Town. Oh, one last thing. Um, audio versions of the book coming up soon. Stay tuned for those details. All right, that'll do it today for the Nonpartisan Evangelical. Thank you for listening. You are awesome. <laughs>